Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. The Muslims understand fasting. They fast on mass. And I think there's something about the revelation of fasting that needs to come back to the Western church. In many ways, I know we're in the Lent season, uh, but there is another dimension of faith that needs to be attached to the body of Christ in this area of fasting, where collectively we begin to join our faith together for great moves of God like we've never seen before. Now, we love Muslims. We believe in for Muslims to come to Jesus for imams to have encounters with God like never before, for terrorists to have supernatural encounters like Saul had his encounter and became Paul. Are you hearing me today? Anyone, anyone want to see that more in our culture? Okay. Now, you got to understand prayer is powerful regardless of the kingdom you're in. Did you hear me? Those in the kingdom of darkness engage in prayer. Now, Prayer is a place where kind of humi- uh, humanity meets divinity. Prayer is a place of exchange. Prayer is an altar. There's exchange taking place where the spiritual realm collides with the physical realm. And those in the dark side understand the power of prayer. So even though they may be praying to idols and false gods and oftentimes even demons, they're engaging spiritual realities. And guess what? Spiritual things are going on. And those spiritual things are activated with their prayer and their fasting end up manifesting in the natural. And oftentimes it opposes the kingdom of God. And we as Christians are eating burgers and having parties while the witches are fasting and praying to break up our homes. Have you not heard Derek Prince's story of, I think someone of, one of his friends was on a plane and he was on the plane and uh, they were serving food and he was about to eat his food and the person next to him was not eating. So he's like, hey, you know, are you okay? Everything okay? It's cracking up a conversation. But he said, hey, I'm a witch and we're on a fast to break pastor's homes. And there is a minister right there sat next to the witch eating. <laughs> are you with me? It seems like people on the dark side take their understanding of the spirit realm more serious than we believers. Can I say to you, you're not just a body. You're a spirit being. Your body is just temporary in that your body is going to perish one day, but the real you lives forever. Your body is your suit. You're going to take off this suit and God's going to give you a resurrected body. But until that time comes, your body is temporal and it's, it's subject to changes. But your spirit is eternal. So the real you is not body. The real you is spirit. So that means you have to be more spirit conscious than body conscious and physical world conscious. And that's exactly how God created Adam, if you think about it. Adam was more conscious of the presence of God and the glory of God than he was his nakedness. Even though he was naked, the focus was not on that. It was on the reality of the spiritual world. And Adam was able to talk to God and hear God and see God. Because they had conversation. So when God came walking down in the cool of the day, Adam was not freaked out by the fact that God was walking in the cool of the day and talking to him. It was normal for him to have face-to-face conversation with God. Even though it was a physical body on the planet, on this planet, your body makes you legal on this planet. Without your body, you're an illegal spirit here. So your body is good. 
Your body makes it possible for you to be a human being on this planet, but your spirit being living in a body. And Adam had this reality of experiencing the spiritual dimension as well as engaging the physical world. And when sin came into the world, there was a reversal where mankind became more physical world conscious than spiritual world conscious. But there's spiritual activities going on, and those in the dark, on the dark side manipulate spiritual activities for their own agenda for the purpose of propagating darkness and fear and all kinds of stuff going on, on the dark side. But those on the light side, we, the people of God, who have authority, oftentimes don't have any idea of what God has given us. So we're just eating burgers and just having, you know, pr- listen, prophets of the nature of John the Baptist. Prophets of the nature of Elijah are forged in the deserts of fasting, on the deserts of feasting. Maybe the critical hour we're in at this time as a nation is calling for the church to rise. And fasting and prayer. And I was talking about fasting on mass. The people, uh, the Muslims understand fasting on mass, but the Christians don't seem to quite get it yet. And I believe something happened when we begin to come together in agreement on mass and fasting, we begin to influence the spiritual atmosphere in a way we may have no idea what's going on. Preparing the way for the invasion of the kingdom of God like never before. The Muslims have a prayer culture. We have a prayer meeting. And if we're going to see the light of God advance like never before, we can't just have a prayer meeting. We need to shift to the place of having a prayer culture. In other words, when pastor calls a prayer meeting, you come to the prayer meeting, not because that's the only prayer meeting you come to. That prayer meeting is only an expression of what's been going on at home. Many times our corporate prayer meetings are struggling because the private prayer, prayer place is non-existent. So we come together, we want to pray, but it's difficult for us to pray. You know why? Because there's not much happening at home. There's no prayer culture. And we want to have a prayer meeting. And we're saying it's boring. I said in first service, prayer is not boring. And God is not boring. You're the one that's boring. Whenever you're finding spiritual activities boring, don't blame God. You need to realize there's something in your makeup in the flesh that's blocking your engagement with spiritual encounters. So realize you have to push through those distractions. And many Christians are not warriors. They just complain. In fact, the church has become a place. The church has become a nursery where babies are being fed as opposed to a barracks where warriors are being bred. So people are coming in and saying, Pastor, feed me. Make me feel good. Make me feel good. Now, there's nothing wrong with a pastor making you feel good because pastors are there to, to, to nurture. But oftentimes, people are just wanting all that stuff, and they're not growing up to become warriors. How, I mean, if you go to the army, you don't see the, the surgeon or whoever is in charge trying to just nurse all the wounds of the soldiers. He's like, come on, soldier, get up. Come on. You're, you're a man. <laughs> Fight. But here we are, just, just every little thing, we're just complaining. And God is like, you are a warrior. Do you understand who he has made you? He didn't just say you're a conqueror. He says you're more than a conqueror. How can you be more than a conqueror? Yes, you're cowering away in fear. Have you realized there is no armor of God for your backside? Do you know why? Because you're never supposed to turn back and run from the enemy. You were built to 
to advance. You were built to gain territories. Come on, warriors. You're not a wimp. I know you may feel fear. I know you may feel intimidated. I know you may feel worried. But you, at the core of your spiritual DNA, is a warrior. Somebody say, I am a warrior. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't give up. You don't come out of here. The enemy may fashion some weapons, and he's doing that right now. See, the Bible didn't say no weapon will be fashioned. It says no weapon formed against you. That doesn't mean the weapons will not be formed. And it's not just one weapon. Now it's coronavirus. Who knows what's going to be next year? Right? No weapon formed. So the enemy seems to fashion things and almost aim them at vulnerabilities. And he knows the kind of things that will get you. He knows the kind of things that will get me. And he tries to target those weapons. But the Bible says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. But I need to understand that reality and take a stand in it. Not just hear the pastor preach it. I need to know that for myself. You know, Jesus said, who do you say I am to the disciples? They had heard a few preachers. They had heard a few, a few messages. They had heard a few amazing men of God preach. And they've heard even Jesus preach. Now, Jesus said, forget about all the revelations you heard from all the other men of God and women of God and what they said. He said, now, who do you? Who do you say that I am? In other words, what's your experience? What is your personal revelation? Not what is your secondhand revelation. What is your personal revelation of Jesus? If you're not going to take this opportunity of fear and pandemic around the nation to use as an opportunity to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, what else is going to make you do that? Because I was in Lebanon some years ago and I realized, uh, because it was during that time of the Aleppo stuff and Christ, you know, all the Syria and Lebanon, all that craziness going on. And so we're meeting some pastors and they always saying to us that the prayer meetings were more responded to than the church services. So we were like, wow, that's incredible. Now it don't mean, well, the reason why that was taking place is because people were in crisis. There is something about crisis that drives people to seek help. So actually, this is a great moment for the body of Christ. The crisis around right now is calling for our voice. And if we don't speak into that, vi- uh, that void, something else is going to keep speaking. There's another voice right now. Church, where is your voice? Where is your voice of hope? Where is your voice of intercession? Where is your voice? Because the nation needs that right now. And God is wanting us to arise and become the voice that would influence the spiritual atmosphere of the nation. I want to carry on from where I started this morning, and I've kind of just lost track of time. <laughs> I was going to time myself, but I forgot now. Okay, Psalm 91. Let's go to Psalm 91. Famous psalm that we have been declaring over ourselves, and many of you would have come across this psalm. Um, I'm going to read a few verses from it. And then use it as a basis to share a few things this morning. Psalm 91 verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver. I'm going to put me in there. He he shall deliver me. You might want to say that to yourself. He shall deliver me. (laughs) From the snail of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence, he will cover me with his feathers and under his wings I will take refuge. 
His truth shall be my shield and my butler. I will not be afraid. Everyone say, I will not be afraid. Yes. Of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Listen to this. A thousand may fall at my side. I don't know about you. A thousand may fall at my side. And 10,000 my right hand. But it will not come near me. Only with my eyes would I look and see the reward of the wicked. Because I have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. He shall keep his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. In their hands they shall bear me up, lest I dash my foot against a stone. He, I'm going to have to make this personal again. I shall tread upon lions and cobra. The young lion and the serpent, I shall trample underfoot. We can go on. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him and I will set him on high. Because he has known my name, he shall call upon me. In other words, I shall call upon the Lord and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me and honor me. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Amen. Somebody needs to release the shout right now. Amen. Just reading that, do you feel faith? Now, we are not going to believe the report of whatever else is out there. Now, we're going to, just like Pastor Steve said, receive wisdom, wash our hands and do all the things that we can do in the natural. But we don't come under that spirit. Are you hearing me? Now, I want to point your attention to a verse here. Verse 9. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. So, I look at the whole psalm, and I believe the promises in that psalm are hinged upon something that we want to look at in a few moments. Now, look at what it says. Because you have made the Lord your refuge... Even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. Now, I want to also bring another scripture into your view as we read this scripture. Because I understand the coronavirus is spreading. If I was saying in the morning service, in the previous service, that the fear virus is infecting more people than the coronavirus. <laughs> and some people that are infected by fear that will never be infected by corona. And long after corona has gone, fear is still at work in them. So that's another, another thing we need to be consciously aware of. Now, I'm not going to just be uh, 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 just ignorant or unaware of the fact that some of us believers may get this virus. Okay? And as I was thinking about that, because I'm saying in here, it says, uh, uh, no evil, because you've made the Lord your doing place, no evil shall before you, nor no, no any plague come near your dwelling. And I was thinking, I, I don't feel the faith to say you, no one in this room and no Christian in the whole of the United Kingdom will ever get the virus because of this verse right here. Are you with me? So I'm going to put this verse with another verse in Daniel. Do you know what Daniel uh, uh, and, 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 the, and the Hebrew boy said? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is in Daniel 3. He says, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fire, and he will deliver us from the fire. But if he doesn't, do you know what it says? We will not bow. Do you hear faith? <laughs> he can deliver and he will, but if it doesn't even happen, I am not going to bow. Some of you need to get this into your spirit. You will not have the virus. It will not come near you, but even if it does, you will not bow. <laughs> you will not die. Are you hearing me? So we go back to Psalm 91, and we see that the promises are almost predicated on something very crucial. And that is in verse 1. It says, he. Now, it doesn't start by saying they. So this call is an individual call. You cannot use the corporate prayer to replace the private prayer. This call is for you. It's for me. So it says he or she who dwells. It didn't say he or she who visits. <laughs> Many people are visiting the secret place. They're not dwelling in the secret place. To dwell means that's where you, that's, that's your home base. That is your default. So your center of gravity is heaven, not earth. So that means you don't listen to BBC News and get your information as to how to pray from BBC News. Now, you can get some information, don't get me wrong, but sometimes you've got to understand that even when we pray, we're praying with contaminated and screwed up ideologies. We're presenting to God that which is not even accurate, based on human opinion, sometimes even demonically inspired for the sake of fear. And so we're coming before God with things that he's like, no, that's not even right. Because he sees things correctly. So I need to come before God and say, Lord, what is your perspective? Because the prayer that is effective are often the prayers that God inspires. Yes. Not just the prayer coming from you. Now, there's a place for that. But the prayers that advance the purposes of God, that see more impact and results, are prayers that are coming from heaven down. And for those prayers to come from heaven down, somebody must be living in heaven. In John 3, Jesus said he was both on earth and in heaven. In uh, 1 Kings 17, Elijah stood before King Ahab and says, Before the Lord God of Israel whom I stand. Now, he was physically standing before the King Ahab, but he says, I am standing before the throne as well. So Elijah understand, understood the dimensions of he wasn't just in the physical realm, he was operating in the spiritual realm. And he was bringing his words to the physical realm from the spiritual realm. That is why his words had the power they did. Because it wasn't just natural words. It was coming from a superior realm of authority. That's why miracles are able to happen. Because the spiritual realm is superior to the physical realm. And that's why Jesus could walk on water. Because the laws of the spiritual realm manipulated the physical laws and made it possible for his body to walk on water. Because that realm is superior to this realm. 
But many of us are just living in this realm and visiting the secret place. As opposed to living in the secret place and visiting this realm. So we're meant to live from heaven down. Not from down, up. So our center of gravity needs to shift from earth to heaven. And when it shifts, then our perspective begins to shift. Many of you have been in airplanes and you look at a building while you're on the ground, how big it looks. You get in an airplane, it looks so tiny and almost non-existent, like an ant or like a speck of dust. Are you with me? Because of the perspective shift, your altitude will change your attitude. And you have to live from his realm down. Next time you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling worried, you're feeling concerned. Just say, Lord, give me a fresh perspective. Lord, I don't want to visit the secret place. I want to live there. Now listen to what he says in Psalm 91 verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place is not your secret place. It says, the secret place of the Most High. So it is his secret place. That's why you have to find it. Now, your own space when you pray is like the access to his secret place. And when you pray, when you pray effectively, his secret place becomes your secret place. But oftentimes you have to find his secret place. That is why prayer can be challenging for many people. Because treasure is not treasure if it's easily accessible. You don't see gold lying around on the floor everywhere. <laughs> no. Because it's, because it's treasure, you have to dig to find it. And many Christians are wimps, not warriors. So they don't want to dig. They want everything to be given so easily to them. Pastor, lay hands on me. Pastor, lay legs on me and make me feel good. They want everything so easy. And they come to church and they say things like, you know what? I'm not being fed. What, what do you mean you're not being fed? Have you lost your Bible? <laughs> what do you mean you're not being fed? Have you lost your worship and your prayer life? Because I've got a six-year-old and he can feed himself. It may be that you've been a Christian for 10 years and you're still in spiritual diapers. <laughs> Are you hearing me today? And God is wanting you to grow up, begin to feed yourself, and realize that there is some battling that takes place to access the secret place. And so when it gets difficult, you don't run home and say, oh, you know what, this prayer thing doesn't work for me. It always works for the man and woman of God over there. I don't really get it. No, no, no. God wants you to encounter him. God wants us to encounter in a deep way, in a real way. Don't get satisfied with someone just laying hands on you or watching some man or woman have got up there and saying, oh yeah, they've got the anointing. No, you're called to carry the anointing too. It's not just for the men and women of God on the platform and all that kind of stuff. In fact, you have got responsibility everywhere you go, just like I have responsibility on this platform. Okay, we have an evening service at 5 o'clock, right? Imagine after this service, I said to you, because Pastor Steve has asked me to speak, I said to you, okay, this evening, I just feel in my heart, I want you to preach. I feel like the Lord has put a word in your heart. And you're like, really? Okay, I guarantee you, after this service, between the time the service finishes and the next service starts at 5, I guarantee you, you're not going to go home and watch Netflix. You're not going to go home and watch football. 
You're not going to go home and watch movies. Why? Because the moment you said yes to that offer, spiritual responsibility hits you. And now you're like, oh, Lord God, what are you saying? Lord, what do you want to say through me today? And now you're praying. Uh-oh. Why? Because you feel responsibility. Now, don't wait for pastor or another leader to ask you to preach or to speak before you realize you have spiritual responsibility. You already have that responsibility right now. It's just in a different context. You may not be on a platform. In fact, many people in the body of Christ will never stand on a platform as I'm doing right now. And by the way, don't try to grab this microphone if God is not giving it to you. Because this microphone comes with its own problems. Many people will not stand on this platform like I'm doing, but you already have a platform in your workplace. Now, I'm not trying to say you just start to preach and disrupt everything at work. I'm saying you already have a sphere of influence in that workplace. So the same way you're going to pray and fast before you come and stand on this platform is the same way you should pray and fast before you go into your workplace because you're a voice for God right there. You're anointed. You're called to effect change wherever you are. That's why you need to rise up. And make the effort and invest the time to find this secret place. And when you find it, don't let go. I have found it and I've let go. And I've found it, I've let go. And oftentimes God keeps reminding you. Because once you've, ta- see, this thing, once you've tasted of certain things of God, you, you're ruined for life. Anyone knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> Everything else is like rubbish. Once you've tasted some dimensions of God, and maybe many of us in church have not tasted those dimensions, and so we're just bored. When you taste of God, you realize this world has nothing for me. And oftentimes, maybe you're not tasting of that dimension because your hunger level is so low. You have appetite for God, otherwise you won't be here on a Sunday morning. There's something stirring your heart, but your level of hunger is low. I've got a six-year-old now. When he was about two, three years old, we are in the house praying. My wife and I, it was just in the morning. We sat down praying together. He was there, and he's very energetic and just full of life. So he couldn't sit still. So I said to my wife, you know what? This isn't working. <laughs> Anyone knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> So let's just let him go. Let's, let's just let him go and do what he wants to do. We're just going to carry on and, and focus and just, you know, finish praying in this area we're focusing on right now. So we did that. And after a while as we were praying, we realized everything went quiet. And how many parents know? <laughs> when it goes quiet, you need to be a bit concerned about what they're up to. So I'm like, it's all gone quiet. Hmm, something must be up. Anyway, so I'm looking for him around. I can't find him anywhere. I found him in the bathroom. So he'd been playing with the toilet seat. The toilet roll fell into the toilet. He picked it out from inside the toilet and was sucking on it. (laughs) Yeah, that was my reaction. (laughs) I was like, ah! (laughs) So my wife heard me screaming. She comes in. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, ah! (laughs) And you know what she says? Oh, he's thirsty. <laughs> I'm like, what, 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 what do you mean he's thirsty? <laughs> Even if he's thirsty, he's this. I mean, so I'm just going crazy like this is just, oh, no, how are we going to do? Anyway, later that day, it dawns on me. This generation is thirsty, but we're drinking from the toilet. <laughs> yeah. 
every human being has a desire God has placed in them for him. They may realize it, they may not realize it. Now, they may try to fit it with drugs and alcohol and sex and all kinds of things. That's the unbelievers. But the believers also have a desire for God. That's why they're saved, right? God has done something in them, and now they want to know him more, and there's a desire in their heart. However, that desire can dwindle. And when you start to feed on other things, your appetite level starts to dwindle. And so when you come into the presence of God, you want to pray, but you're struggling to pray. Could it be that you're struggling to pray because you are full? As you've eaten so much, but you've been feeding on the wrong diet. So now the appetite level, you, you hearing me, is so low that you're not able, your hunger level is not able to attract the dimension of encounter you require because you're not really hungry. It's kind of like if I bought a laptop, let's just say that costs 20,000 pounds. I don't know if there's such a laptop, but if I bought a laptop that costs 20,000 pounds and I know how expensive that is, and you came to me and I don't know you, I'm like, James, can I borrow it? And I don't know you. Now, you can appreciate the fact that it would be difficult <laughs> for me to hand over to you something that cost me so much because I don't know if you're going to value it the way I value it. So you are there saying, God, I want to encounter you. God, I want a greater dimension of you in my life. And God is looking at you saying, are you really serious? Because what I'm about to, what I really want to release, I don't know. If you're going to value it the way I value it, and by the way you've been living your life up until the time you pray this prayer, it doesn't show me that you even have space for me. Yet you're saying, God, I want more. You're saying, God, I want more. And God is like, I want more of you. You want more of him, but he's like, if I gave you more, there's no space for that to fit right now. Because you're so preoccupied with everything, and some of it, good things even, but it's distracting you from cultivating the hunger that creates the environment for greater dimension of encounter. So it's not that we don't have hunger for God. It's just oftentimes we've been feeding on the toilet water of the world, on all the junk and all the news, and it's infected, affected our pursuits. So now our hearts are dull. And we need God to awaken our hearts again. You know, I love the scripture that says, For it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good purpose. So it takes God to love God. And it's okay to admit, saying, Lord, right now, I, Lord, I, I want to want you more, but I know my hunger is low. Lord, I want to be hungry. Make me more hungry. Father, help me to realign my my, my life in a way that stewards more hunger for you, that you are able to entrust with me greater dimensions of your presence and greater dimensions of revelation. Right now, there's so much fear in the world, and God is wanting us to be a prophetic voice into that fear. But can he entrust us? He's looking for friends. I know we sing the famous song, I am a friend of God. Many of us are not friends of God. Actually, he is the one that calls us friend, not we call him friend. Look at scripture. He said to Abraham, friend. He said to Moses, friend. He said to his disciples, calling them friends. So sometimes we are saying, Lord, you're my friend. And he's like, yeah, I want to be, but I can't really share my secrets with you. I can't really trust you with dimensions of heaven 
Because your lifestyle doesn't show like you value what I value. You, 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 you visit the secret place, and oftentimes it's only a short time at a church service where you have a, a bit of an encounter, but you don't actually make space for me. And you wonder why you're weighed down with fear. And you wonder why you're distracted and just feeling all the, all the like a flood of, of fear and anxiety from the world. You, you wonder why you're feeling that so much in your emotions. What, how much space are you making for me? Are you just visiting the secret place or are you dwelling there? Because that place is where your help is. That place is where your protection is. That place is where the perspective is that would help you go through this storm. And if you don't find that place... It's going to be sad, not just for you, but for the people you're called to impact. Because many of you sitting in this room, their destiny is connected to you. It's not just you sitting over there. There may be a few souls in China connected to you. There may also be some other few souls in Brazil connected to you. And there may be some, some few souls in Poland. So you're sat right there, and when God looks at you, he's in Brazil, China, Poland. Because there are people in those places that will be impacted by your life. And right now, if you're not living in the secret place and seeking him and actually receiving his perspective, you actually deviate from his purposes. And those people's destinies get affected because of your disobedience. So you owe this world the fire of God in you. That's why the secret place has to be our dwelling place. I want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And when we dwell in the secret place, you know what happens there? I believe Psalm 27 is what happens in the secret place. What David said, beholding the beauty of the Lord, dwelling in his holy temple. In the secret place, something special happens because the focus is not on you anymore now. It's not about your needs. It's all about him. And many Christians struggle a lot with prayer, oftentimes because their view of prayer is just about getting God to do something for them. God bless me, God help me, promote me, and whatever else. And it's just me, me, me. And that's all they know about prayer. Well, yeah, prayer is going to be boring if that's all you do. Because God's intention for prayer is not just that you ask, even though he said we should ask. It's about communion. And I know we fast and we pray, and I'm a little ministry, we talk about fasting and prayer all the time. But when was the last time we fasted and prayed not to ask for anything, but just to be with God? Read Acts 13. The apostles, the prophets, the teachers, they got together to fast and pray, not to ask for anything, but to minister to the Lord. They, they set time aside to fast to minister to the Lord. And it was in that space that God released prophetic direction. They didn't just come with one. Now, there's nothing wrong with having agendas. We believe in organizing times of fasting and prayer for specific things. But I'm trying to get you to see that the secret place is not just about uh, a to-do list. It's not just about going through a list of requests. It's a place that you need to learn how to be. And the more you encounter God in the sacred place, the more you realize there's nothing else that compares to that. It becomes the place where you're most fulfilled. I believe it was John Piper that said once that God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. So in this time of fear and pandemic and craziness, you know what you need to do? Find the secret place. That is where your protection is. Thank you for tuning in to Prayer Storm Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. 
for more information and teaching and if you'd like to get connected please visit www.prayerstone.org.